Voting is a significant part of democracy. While it is not mandatory for citizens above the age of 18 to vote, it is a fundamental right of all citizens of Solomon Islands. It is also a prime responsibility. By participating in this democratic process, we are putting in leaders who will be our representatives in Parliament and in provincial assemblies. Voting gives us the opportunity to choose those candidates who have presented a program to the citizens with proposals and ideas that we think will contribute to the development of our society and our country. In this UNDP podcast episode, we are going to learn more about two institutions supporting the voting process, the Solomon Islands Electoral Office and the Office of the Registrar of the Political Parties and how these institutions greatly contribute to our democracy. UNDP, through the Strengthening the Electoral Cycle in Solomon Islands, SECSIP project, provides technical assistance to the Electoral Office. It also provides support to the Office of the Registrar of the Political Parties Commission. SECSIP's main donor is the Government of Australia, who has funded the project since its inception. In the past, the project also received financial assistance from the European Union. Today, we are going to hear from the Chief Electoral Officer of the Solomon Islands Electoral Office, Ms. Jane Waitara, and the Registrar of the Office of Political Parties Commission, Mr. Jasper Anisi. I am Gina Kikea. The Solomon Islands Electoral Commission was established by the Constitution to supervise the registration of electors and the conduct of elections. The Constitution and the Electoral Act 2018 provide the legal framework for the administration and conduct of elections by the Solomon Islands Electoral Commission. The Commission is comprised of a chairperson, two other commissioners and the Chief Electoral Officer. The position of the Chief Electoral Officer as head of the Solomon Islands Electoral Office and the powers and functions of this office were set out in 2018. The Chief Electoral Officer now is Jane Waitara. In 2018, the Electoral Office of the Secretariat has been there, but I think appropriate recognition that uh, was missing with regards to the fact that it it provides the support to the uh, Commission in implementing its mandate. So come 2018, there was a constitutional amendment that uh, took place, which basically gives some additional provision in terms of the responsibility of the Solomon Islands Electoral Office. And that's one of the uh, difference perhaps is that uh, it elevates the responsibility of the uh, Chief Electoral Officer to be a commissioner because now it is a, a commission. But it's with a non-voting right. And then with that, it, uh, the functions of the uh, Electoral Office is specifically provided for in the uh, Act 2018. And uh, I think uh, with uh, that um, constitutional amendment as well, it specifies the uh, uh, eligibility criteria for recruitment and disqualification for appointment of commissioners for the Solomon Islands Electoral Commission. And I think an additional point as well is that uh, it provided for the um, very specifically that one of the commissioners must be a female. So I think that is a, a very positive um, undertaking that it recognizes women's contribution at that decision-making level as well. 
Since gaining independence in 1978, Solomon Islands have held 10 national general elections. The last one was in 2019. Often people refer to the um, election as, you know, when the uh, governor general makes the proclamation on the election date and the nomination comes in and uh, the process goes on until the election day. That is basically one aspect of it. And when you talk about the electoral cycle, it refers to the overall process that in, it uh, takes in terms of the preparations for elections up until the end. It's often referred to as um, a three-phase kind of a cycle. We have a pre-election phase, that is the phase, where, and that is the phase which people do not really know, but it took a lot of uh, hard work behind the scene in preparing for the elections. In terms of, if I may just give an example, we need to make sure that the budget is ready for an election before an election, the election is, um, the, the proclamation is made. Uh, there needs to be some um, procurement of election materials, the ballot papers. All this needs to be done prior to that. Recruitment of officials needs to be in place to make sure that by the time the uh, governor general makes the proclamation, the team is ready, or in other words, it's all ready to go because once the uh, governor general makes the uh, uh, proclamation, then the timing flows on and uh, it's very time-bound, most of the activities. And we have to make sure that all the resources are mobilized, uh, are available to make things happen as and when they are required to happen. For if I may just use an example with a nomination, there is a period that it opens and then there is a period that it closes. It has to be done within this time frame up until the election. So that is a very critical and important part. So if the pre-election activities are not prepared or, or are well coordinated, it has a lot of implication in affecting that bit of the process, which is the election period. And the third phase of it is basically the post-election period, which basically after the results are declared and then, uh, of course, meeting certain administrative uh, and legislative requirements that the office needs to facilitate, that also happens. And then the other important aspect of that is that it is an opportunity for the electoral office to review the processes, what has been done, and that is normally done through the uh, election um, uh, lessons learned workshop because it gives an opportunity for us to review where what worked what has not worked, and areas of improvement. And that is uh, one of the reasons for the, uh, having the observers uh, at the election processes because they always provide input for us to review the process and improve. And I can say that uh, elections is not always a perfect process, but there's always room for improvement, and this is what happens after the election in terms of the work of the office. So it's basically a continuous process for the uh, officials within the, the secretariat in trying to make sure that the uh, process are always um, improved where they are and where there's room for improvement and uh, where there is uh, places of weakness that needs to be strengthened that needs to be taken into account as well. Complementing the work of the Solomon Islands Electoral Commission is the Political Parties Commission. The passing of the Political Parties Integrity Act on 27 May 2014 and the establishment of the Political Parties Commission and the Office of the Registrar were important steps for Solomon Islands. These institutions have key responsibilities to make sure that the political parties of Solomon Islands fulfill the legal requirements established in the law. 
The Political Parties Commission is made up of five commissioners and is assisted by the Registrar of Political Parties to fulfil its mandate. The commissioners are recommended by both the Prime Minister and the Opposition Leader and appointed by the Governor-General for a three-year term. Jasper Anisi is the Registrar of the Political Parties Commission and he is here today to explain more about his role as registrar and how his office does the processing and assessing of the applications of political parties submitted to the commissioners for the decision on registration. The office of the registrar is the secretariat to the commission, so we support the work of the commission. They made the decision in terms of approving political parties who who wanted to be uh, registered political parties in the country and also... They have the power to re- deregister political parties who are not complying to the regulations or the rules that have been set out by the Act. So that is the role of the commissioner. The registrar then looks after the register and then updates the commission on which parliamentary member belongs to which party and how many members are there for its political party. So these are the things that the office of the registrar do. The Political Parties Integrity Act includes provisions intended to strengthen the party system in Solomon Islands and to address the gaps seen and felt over the past 40 years. Mr. Anissi says a goal for his office is to raise awareness on the political party system so citizens can better understand it and consider affiliation to political parties. In Solomon Islands, the political party system is not that very active or very strong. Uh, in terms of people understanding it. So one way the Office of the Register of Political Parties is doing is that we engage young uh, volunteers who are recent graduates who attended university and currently doesn't have any work to do. We always call them into as volunteers. And then we go out to the communities to give raise awareness on political party system. We just started uh, this year. So we covered three constituencies, South Choizol, Baiguas Fola and um, Central Korai. Those are the three constituencies that we covered. But we wanted to cover all 50 constituencies and what people can benefit from the Office of the Registrar Political Party is that we can support, help them give information how to join a political party and how to be a member of a political party and also assist political parties to recruit members. So these are the kind of things that we do to support. Our second one is to support the political party system to enhance voter interest and affiliation. So the second one basically looks at the awareness program that we are working on now and then we will continue to work on uh, for the next four years in promoting party system. So these programs we are looking at uh, trying to make sure that uh, Parties are strengthened because currently the political parties are also too weak to go back, to go out to the communities and promote their ideologies, their philosophies and what they stand for. Uh, What we want to do is we want to promote people to join these political parties because through the people then they can expand the work of the political parties in the communities. While the Political Parties Commission is focusing on awareness on the importance of strengthening the political party system, the Electoral Office is embarking on a review of its Electoral Act with the Chief Electoral Officer Jane Waitara as Chairperson of the Task Force. 
with the enactment of the Electoral Act in 2018, it has given the mandate for the Electoral Commission to conduct uh, the um, both the uh, national election and the provincial elections as well. And uh, given that they are, uh, there are laws in place already, there needs to be work in terms of working uh, around possible amendments on the electoral provisions uh, to come under one responsibility or under one uh, entity for to ensure a coordinated and perhaps uh, some kind of a smooth um, transition in terms of the particular responsibility. So the task force was established basically to support the commission in um, implementing that uh, responsibility. So it consists of um, a number of very senior officials from within the government ministries. So we have a seven-member task force comprising from um, the registrar of the uh, political parties is one of the members. We have a member from the Ministry of um, Provincial Government Institutional Strengthening, Ministry of Home Affairs, Office of the Prime Minister, the Attorney General. So we have a, a very high-level team who is... Uh, who consists of the members of the uh, as the members of the task force, and uh, the current um, legislations that we are looking at now is basically the uh, proposed uh, amendments with the Provincial Government Act 1997, uh, uh, the uh, Honda City Council Act 1990, and of course uh, the Electoral Act. Uh, there. Are 2018 some proposed amendment for improvement purposes and what I'm referring to here is basically the uh, legislations that relate to elections so those are the uh, ones that we are working at and of course the uh, possibility of harmonizing the electoral processes meaning that if we can work towards having simultaneous or one day election for all the election for the national and the provincial uh, election and with that we need uh, to consult our stakeholders it's very important to get the so we are planning to go to all the provinces uh, to have consultation with them in the coming months and probably the first part of uh, uh, next year and also other the university council and probably other stakeholders around so that we can get a broader view in terms of uh, the, the, the proposed amendments that are being proposed before it goes through the normal legal process of uh, the drafting. In May this year, the Solomon Islands Electoral Office oversees three by-elections, mainly two in Choizol and one in Temotu province. In this instance, because of the threat of COVID-19, there were differences in how they carry out the preparation and how the election was conducted in both Choizol and Temotu provinces to mitigate the risks of COVID-19. With COVID, uh, there's a lot of uh, review that has to be done, especially with the procedures uh, that uh, uh, voters need to comply with, or, and including election officials as well. We have to ensure that uh, there are hand-washing um, facilities in each of the polling stations and uh, compliance with uh, the COVID measures in collaboration with the Ministry of Health and medical services such as social distancing and hand washing and all that. So it, it sort of uh, was challenging, but I think, again, as I mentioned earlier, with our partners, they help us to sort of uh, make the turnaround in terms of uh, resource-wise to be able to um, be in a position to conduct the election in a COVID situation, which was uh, done. Of course, there are yeah, challenges, there are, there are weaknesses here and there, especially from the side of our, our voters who are queuing up. But uh, at least when they come in and around the uh, polling station, at least they can comply to some of the uh, measures in place for COVID. But I think 
Having said that, we probably are fortunate that there wasn't um, any cases per se strictly in those constituencies at that time. But I, I think it gave an opportunity for us as well to be better prepared in the event that there is a real situation that we are faced with. Participation of citizens in political parties can provide opportunities to have a voice and influence policy choices, share ideas with people with similar values and priorities for the development and well-being of all. Political parties, they, they need to have a, a manifesto, a constitution, and to have a minimum membership of 250 people. These are statutory requirements that they need to have in order to form a political party and also to have a, a symbol party color for elections because when you go during election contests during elections they need to put out their symbol so we require political parties to have symbols too and also to have their manifesto and uh, their policies and to state their philosophy their ideologies on how if they run the country what they can do in terms of their political obligations political parties make sure that they should make sure to tell the people what they're going to do if they're going to rule the country what are their health policies for example do they charge beds for admission in the um, hospitals or do you access those for free so this is this is where political parties obligation comes in they they need to tell the people how they're going to run their policies for example are they going to increase the the salary of teachers so it's true political party that they can promote such policies and to tell the people so their obligation is to make sure that they really tell the people what they stand for and when they get into power they must fulfill those obligations or those promises but those are promises that can be done in terms of policies understanding and knowing how election works in the country is very important information Uh, it's available also on the website. The electoral office has a website, so people are will are invited to go and go to the website and just seek information from there. But we do have um, a Facebook there, Facebook page on the website as well, and there is information that is available through um, brochures that are already distributed as well, and they can get additional information. Feel free to come and ask for information at the office if you are interested. And there you have heard the Chief Electoral Officer, Ms. Jane Waitara, and the Registrar of the Office of the Political Parties Commission, Mr. Jasper Anisi, sharing insights in the work they do and how important the institutions they represent are during election. And we have come to the end of this UNDP podcast. UNDP, through the Strengthening the Electoral Cycle in Solomon Islands, SECSIP project, provides technical assistance to the Electoral Office. It also provides support to the Office of the Registrar of the Political Parties Commission. SECSIP's main donor is the Government of Australia, who has funded the project since its inception. In the past, the project also received financial assistance from the European Union. I hope that these interviews have assisted you to better understand why and how these institutions play a key role in a democracy like Solomon Islands and what you as a citizen can do to fully participate and exercise your fundamental rights of voting and political participation. I am Gina Kikia. Thank you, Tomas, for staying with me in this podcast.